You know, what began a few weeks ago, I guess it was months now, that the Supreme Court came out with a, a decision that, that tried to change the definition of what marriage was all about. I was sitting in my office talking with somebody who's a grandmother and, and has uh, grandchildren that are in that middle school going into high school age, and she looked at me and she said to me, Stephen, what is going on in America? We were talking about the issues that we're facing as Americans, and then she looked at me and she said some sobering words. She said, I, I got some questions this week by my grandchildren, and I didn't have answers for them. And she looked at me and she said, would you please do a series where we address some of the issues happening in America, and would you equip us with the ability to not only talk to our children and our grandchildren about these issues, but to talk also in our workplaces, some of our workplaces being very secular places, to be able to talk about the things that we're facing, things that matter, and where our country is headed. You know, I, I, I heard those words as a clarion kind of call from the Holy Spirit sitting in my office that night and began prayerfully thinking about a series that we're actually in now. We're in the third week of a series called, Is There Hope for America? And I, I shared with you as we began this series and, uh, that I had a few goals. One of them was to take the newspaper in one hand and the Bible in the other and say, let's look at some things happening in America and let's look at some scriptures and let's make these two things talk to one another and let's listen to God's counsel about it. Now, today and even more so than in the, over the next three weeks, I'm going to get really uh, bare bones and very specific about specific topics. And I'm going to tell you up front, it might be a little difficult as we start talking about issues like immigration, like violence, like national debt. There'll be some things we need to talk about together. But um, uh, in these first couple of weeks, I've, I've tried to lay a groundwork for us, kind of a 30,000-foot view of what we have to remember as Americans on what's going on in our country. So we're going to talk about specifics. We're going to talk about some scriptures. I, I have a goal of equipping you. I hope you feel more equipped at the end of this series to be able to dialogue with other folks about what's happening in America. And then I also told you that one of my goals was at the very end of every one of these worship services to open the altar and invite us to come before God on bended knee praying for our country. And so we've been doing that for the last few weeks, and we're going to do it every week, but I'm going to guide you in a certain way of praying over our country. Now, if you're kind of new and you missed week number one and week number two, let me remind you, they're always available on our website. They're always available on iTunes. You can still track in and listen to those. But um, week number one, let me just remind you, we talked about the fact that we can look out at the kind of landscape, the American landscape, and it's very easy to kind of create divisions. You know, you can say, oh, it's, it's, the, it's the Republicans' fault, it's the Democrats' fault, it's the progressives, it's conservatives, it's the entertainment. At the end of the day, remember what week one we talked about? Jesus was very clear when he did his ministry that, that Christ followers had one enemy. He called him the thief. He comes to kill, steal, and destroy, and that enemy is Satan. And we talked about him in week one. We said, listen, before we think about even the divisiveness of someone we face in America, let's realize that we have an enemy who wants to kill, steal from us, and destroy us, Okay. Week number two, last week, we talked about Trojan horses, and we talked about how some, th some, some things we've allowed inside our borders, inside of our culture, inside our lives, and inside our homes, and like the horse that was used in the, in the Trojan War to get inside the city, we, we've accepted them as gifts, but in many ways, they are tearing our society apart. They're actually attacking us. Whether you want to talk about uh, the, the technology that we have available at our fingertips, there's a lot of things we've allowed into our lives that are actually destroying us and eating us from the inside. That's what we talked about week number two. And um, this morning, we're going to talk about um, some different pieces 
to this, this understanding of where we're headed, but we're going to read some scriptures, and I, I just want to begin praying a prayer of openness, that whatever God would say to us, can, can I just tell you real quickly, I have a plan. You guys know I always have a plan. You have an outline sitting right there with you. I'm going to invite you to fill in some blanks and underline some things and to circle some things. But this is one of those mornings where I just keenly feel like God is saying that he's going to speak to us in maybe a way that I haven't planned. <laughs> and I don't even know what that means. <laughs> That's all right. So uh, would you just pray? And I'll pray the same prayer. That God would speak from heaven for us today. And that for us, you remember those guys who walked on the road to Emmaus and they were meeting with Jesus and they didn't even know it? And they said, did not our ears burn when he was speaking those words of truth? Did, our, did not our hearts race before us? I, I want to hear his voice today and I hope you do too. So let's pray together and then let's study God's word. Oh, Father, here we are in this country of ours, a very blessed country. We have been blessed to be able to be born and living in this place. But God, you are beyond country, and you are beyond nationality, and you are beyond time. And yet we are trapped by time. We are trapped in the finiteness of these, this moment in time and this space where we are. We so need your, your grand view, your word, your eternity poured into our hearts today. So would you, with the power of your word, which we believe is life, would you pour into us from the scriptures today Pour into us your word. Give us perspective. Give us understanding. Mold us, shape us, and we make ourselves available to whatever you would speak as a seed. Throw a seed into our lives today that it would bear fruit in our families, in our church, in our work, in our nation. Lord, we are open today. We open ourselves before you. This is our prayer in the name of Jesus. Amen. Let me remind you, I'm reading a, a book right now, and it's called The Politically Incorrect Jesus. Some of you guys have bought this book. It's a good book, very, very short chapters, uh, I think very easy reading for somebody who would say, you know, normally I'm not a big reader. So if you want to order this book and read along with me, hey, you're very welcome to. Some of the stuff, that I, ideas that I'm, I'm pulling from, and some of them I'm totally away from this book, but it's a great book to be able to read. I found it uh, very encouraging, uh, thinking about the fact that the culture that Jesus stepped into, in many ways, is not vastly different than the culture you and I live in every day. When I was a little boy, um, my mama taught me some things. And one of the things she taught me on the way to kindergarten every day, um, I remember because uh, there, she, she had a car that didn't have a good heat system in it, and I remember it being winter, and I would get down in the floorboard by the heater, and she would turn the heater on, and I would be in the floorboard. That was long before our car seats and our safety belts, wasn't it? Yeah, back, remember you used to lay in the back window? Yeah, well, I was in the floorboard, and my mama would teach me every day as we drove Psalm 23. And I remember her, the very, uh, the very place where she taught me Psalm 23 down this road to go towards the middle of Augusta, Georgia. Well, Psalm 23 and the Lord's Prayer are the first two things that I ever memorized in this world, Psalm 23 and the Lord's Prayer. And today, I want you, we're going to begin with um, remembering from Matthew chapter 6, the Lord's Prayer. Now, the Lord's Prayer is probably the most famous prayer on the whole planet. And if you remember the context, Jesus' disciples came to him and they said, Jesus, would you teach us how to pray? And so in Matthew chapter 6, we have Jesus teaching these famous words that I bet you probably memorized even as like a little child, right? So read with me in Matthew chapter 6. Jesus said, this is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. 
and forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. I wonder what was going on in the disciples' minds that day when they were asking Jesus to teach them how to pray. I mean, in my mind, I just, I'm so curious. I wonder if they saw him praying and they saw some kind of connection with him and the Father and they were thinking to themselves, maybe there was something a little jealous inside of them and they said, yeah, I want to pray like him, so Jesus, would you teach me to pray? I don't know, maybe it was that. Or maybe they had heard him pray before and they, they had heard something that was different and so they were really wanting tutelage or instruction and they were saying, teach us why you pray, how you pray. But I think a couple of thoughts was going on in their mind. One of them would be, how do you pray? And I bet also maybe somebody there that was asking was wondering, why should we pray? By the way, great question. Have you ever thought about that question before? Why should we pray? Why should we pray? The Bible says that God already knows the thoughts on our mind, the, the, the words that are on the tip of our tongue. Why should we pray if he already knows what we're going to pray? I wonder what the disciples were asking about that day. Jesus, teach us how to pray. But what's incredible is in just a few words, as Jesus, as he spoke these words that now so many hearts have memorized, Jesus was able to do something that was really powerful beyond words on a page. Jesus was able to give them a scope, watch this, of where we are right now, you know, trapped on planet Earth, where we are on this temporal planet, and how we could connect in with the God of heaven. What Jesus was really trying to help them do was he was trying to say, you know what, I want to teach you how to pray so that when you pray, you're calling things to be here on Earth as they are in heaven. Jesus, the prayer he would teach, if you think about it, he was linking earth with heaven. And so when he said, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed or holy or respected or feared is your name, he was linking in with heaven at that moment. Our Father, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. When Jesus was teaching these words, he was giving them an understanding of, you know what? Yes, he already knows the words that are going to come out of your mouth. But you can pray in such a way as you can connect where you are here with the very halls of heaven and this earthly place where you're living today. Your place where you're sitting as you pray can be transformed because it can connect in with the heavenly. Give us today our daily bread. He's talking about my father's my provision, not my own hand, not my own work, not my own intellect, not my own cleverness. Father, you're the one who's going to have to provide for me today. Forgive us our debts, or I learned it as our trespasses, right? Forgive us as our trespasses, as we forgive those who have trespassed against us. He's talking about forgiveness, right? And then he says, lead us not into temptation. He's linking heaven with earth in this prayer. So what Jesus is doing is he's giving these guys a glimpse of what heaven would look like on earth if their prayers could really be lived out on earth. So this past week when I was reading this prayer that I know so well, I just drew out some bullet points. On your outline, you'll see it right there on your outline. I drew out some bullet points. It's really, as I can see, five things that Jesus is praying here. He's saying, our Father who art in heaven, right? Honoring our Father. He's saying, we want your kingdom, not our kingdom, your kingdom, God. Kind of understanding what heaven is all about. He's saying, please meet our needs. 
He's saying, please forgive us and help us to forgive others. And then he's saying, keep us from temptation. Now, can, can you just think about that for a minute? He's, think about what he's doing. He's calling heaven to exist in earth and how we live on earth. So there's a question I've got right there in your outline, and that is simply this. Why is it that we see so little of heaven on earth? Why does it feel like so many times when we're living through our days that we don't see enough or more of heaven on planet earth? And there's a reason. It's got a lot to do with the fact that we try to make God into our own image. Remember, the Bible says, the Greek term, we are made in the imago dei. We're made in his image. But we try to reverse that around. And we get very involved in trying to shape God to be like our image. And so here's, here's what I think I want, to, I want to help you understand as we think about what's going on in America right now. Got your pen? I want to invite you to write a couple of things for me. Jesus is trying to teach him here that, uh, that heaven is the frame of reference for our earthly living. Heaven, write that in there, fill in that blank. Heaven is the frame of reference for how we're supposed to live on earth. It is the viewfinder. It is the way we're supposed to see our lives here on earth. I'm going to say it a little differently. For Jesus, what Jesus is teaching is that when we're living out our regular days, this week, how you live, he's teaching us that what we do right here is actually the training ground for what will actually happen in the eternal. Or said a little differently, so I heard somebody say this one time, I liked it. When you, have you ever been to an orchestra, a show, or, or a Broadway production, and the orchestra starts warming up before the show happens, you know, and you're going, oh, we're getting ready, getting, the show's getting ready to start. You ever seen that before? I know, right? Yeah, yeah, nod your head. Yeah, we've seen that, right? Here's the deal. I heard somebody one time say, Earth, how this little bit of moment we have here on planet Earth is like the little warm-up that's happening, right? It's all the orchestra getting ready. It's, it's all the stuff pre-show because when heaven begins for us, that's the real deal. That's the show. And what Jesus is trying to say, listen, Jesus is trying to, with this simple prayer, he's trying to give them a frame of reference for their life, and he says, heaven, you need to be connecting in with heaven. Now, here's... The, the opposite side of that, and I think one of the things we're facing in America right now, political correctness, this, this way that we're moving towards here in America would actually say something totally different than what I think Jesus is teaching through the Lord's Prayer. It would say, write this in there, it would say humanity or people or your human experience. It would say humanity or people is the frame of reference for earth. It's our experience that determines all that this life is about. Now, I'd like to say it like this. It's I am the frame of reference for my earthly living. And when you start to do that, if, if that's the way you live with whatever your opinions are, whatever your thoughts are, whatever's most comfortable for you, whatever you feel comfortable with, that's the frame of reference for, for earthly living, then it makes it very comfortable. You can say things like, well, there is no such thing as absolute truth. Truth is whatever I want it to be. I'm the frame of reference for my earthly existence, you know? You can come up with all kinds of thoughts. It's whatever's comfortable for you. And this PC thought of people or humans or earth being the frame of reference for our earthly living basically is saying you can, you can live however you want to. Truth can be found in you. You figure out what truth is instead of saying there is such a thing as absolute truth. And here's the subtlety of it all. It's just like the serpent in the garden coming to Eve and saying, listen, don't worry. There's, don't worry about another kingdom. You live right
here and build your own kingdom. You build your own kingdom however you want to build your kingdom. Because the frame of reference here in the garden is you. You, what do you want? You want that apple? Go ahead. And guess what? I bet there's knowledge and wisdom that you were lied to about. Guys, the subtlety of the evil one is it's a trick. It's a device that he uses to say, listen, don't worry about heaven. Don't worry about kingdom of the kingdom of heaven or what, what truth would say or what God's plan is. Don't worry about that. You live in this world building your own kingdom. And it's such a devious and it's such a subtle trick that, 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 that Satan is trying to, to bear out in our lives. Now, as I've been thinking about it, you can tell a nation if it's following Jesus. All you really have to do is look at a fruit. Don't you hear that said about Christ followers? Oh, you can tell if a person's a Christian. What do you do? You look at the, what's the word? You look at the fruit, right? Well, I started thinking about it. Can't you tell a nation if a nation is following Christ? All you got to do is look at the fruit, right? So real quickly, um, uh, you don't have to write this down. I just want to put up some words here that, that to me kind of link in what Jesus was teaching in the Lord's Prayer. The first one was this. He was saying, honor God, honor your Father. Second one was this, seek heaven. Remember, he said, your kingdom come on this earth, your will Your kingdom, not my kingdom. He was saying, I want to seek heaven. He was saying, I'm going to trust in your your provision. Not not your promises. It's supposed to be the word provision right there. When he was saying, saying, listen, feed us. Give us today what we need, our daily bread. Trust in God's provision. He was saying, forgive us and help us live forgiving lives. And he was saying, help us seek to be holy. Remember when he said, lead us not into temptation? What, What Jesus was teaching was, Lord, Keep us holy. Help us be holy as you are holy. And for me, I was taking notes this week. I just wrote out to the left side of that, is this what Jesus is teaching in the Lord's Prayer? Is this America's persona? Is this the spirit of America? I just I put one out there to the left. Go ahead, Tom, put that out there on the left. And I wondered, is this really what Jesus is teaching in the Lord's Prayer? Is this really the picture of who we are in our culture? You know, I start, my answer to that question was, any given one of our lives, I think we're still praying the Lord's Prayer. I think we are after the things Jesus was teaching his disciples. But sometimes we look at us as a corporate community, as a whole nation, and we think to ourselves, really? Is, are, is America honoring and seeking after our Father? Is America um, wanting God's kingdom to come on planet Earth and his will to be done on planet Earth? Are we really wanting that? Are we wanting God's provision, not our own? Are we looking at our own self and saying, look how far, look what we've done for ourselves. Are we, are we wanting to have a forgiving culture? Not only where we are forgiven, but we're offering forgiveness. Man, we watch our TVs right now. We see all this stuff happening in Ferguson, Missouri, and up in Boston, Massachusetts. We see this stuff and we think, I, I think to myself, that seems so far from having a culture that really understands the heartbeat of what forgiveness is really about, whether it's based on race, whether it's based on economic class, sometimes it seems to me that we are so far from that heart of what Jesus was trying to do when he's trying to connect the kingdom of heaven with planet earth. And how about that last one? Are we seeking to be holy? As a country, are we saying, Lord, lead us not into temptation. Lead us not into temptation. And Lord, rescue us, keep us from the evil one. When we forget that heaven is supposed to be the frame of reference as a culture, then what happens is 
earth and what happens right now becomes our frame of reference. And we, be, we begin to build a kingdom that is, I think, diametrically opposed to the very kingdom of God. Now, how do you see this, way it, this thing laid out in real life stories? I, I was looking through the Bible this week, and I was thinking about how people, good-hearted people, people who, who want to, 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 to do the right thing can oftentimes get the whole thing flipped upside down. Instead of having being their frame of reference, they can make earth their frame of reference. So if you've got your Bible, I want to, I want to show you a couple of real-life examples of how this happens. So and I'm going to invite you to turn with me, if you will. Turn over to, to, to uh, Mark chapter 2. And in Mark chapter 2, I want you to realize that Jesus came into a culture with people just like we live alongside of who they would have told you that heaven was their frame of reference, but the truth is they were building their own kingdom, and earth was their frame of reference, okay? And so Jesus is one day doing his ministry, and watch how this happens, real life story, how all of a sudden people get so blinded, they, 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 they get the devious trick of Satan, and he says, listen, you're made in your own image, you don't have to worry about that, you build your own kingdom. So read with me, Mark chapter 2, beginning in verse 1. A few days later, Jesus is ministering, Jesus entered into Capernaum, and the people heard that he had come home. They gathered in such large numbers there that there was no room left. You've heard this scripture before. There was no room left. Not even the outside, not even the outside the door. And he preached the word to them. And some men came, bringing to him a paralyzed man carried by four of them. And since they could not get him to Jesus because of the crowd, they made an opening in the roof above Jesus by digging through it, and then lowered the man, the mat the man was lying on. And when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralyzed man, Son, your sins are forgiven. Hey, real quickly, raise your hand if you heard this story before. A lot of us heard this story, pretty phenomenal, miraculous story, where they cut the hole in the roof, you know. Jesus, I always like to think about this as a preacher. He's in the middle of his sermon, and the roof comes open, and everything's interrupted, and the guy comes down in the middle of the floor, and the cool thing is, is he's paralyzed, but Jesus doesn't say, hey, get your mat and go walk. The first thing Jesus says to him is, your sins are forgiven, right? So, um, So, next verse, now. Now, some teachers of the law, these were Pharisees, okay? That's fancy words for Pharisees. Some teachers of the law were sitting there thinking to themselves, why does this fellow talk like that? He is blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? Immediately, Jesus knew in his spirit that this was what they were thinking in their hearts. Let me pause right there for a minute. See, these folks, here's how Jesus knew what they were thinking. Not only is Jesus the God-man, and he knew stuff that you and I couldn't have known, but these folks had had multiple encounters with Jesus, multiple encounters where instead of heaven being the frame of reference for life, earth was the frame of reference for life. So, for example, even in Mark chapter 2, in this very same chapter, just a few verses after this, his disciples, Jesus' disciples are walking through a grain field, and they're hungry. And guess what they do? They pick off a couple of grain, grain things, and they're eating while they walk through the grain field. And the Pharisees find out about it, and they come to Jesus, and they say, Hey, who do you think you are? You're breaking the law. You can't work on the Sabbath. They were walking through the grain field on the Sabbath, and they grabbed some food while they went. And Jesus was like, he didn't say it my way, but Jesus was like, Man, don't you, can't you see like the kingdom of heaven, the way we live, instead of just... Your rules, your simple little petty, silly, your earthly rules, your little kingdom that you've set up for yourselves? He looks at them and he says, the Sabbath wasn't made for, you know, but for man. But man, I'm sorry, man wasn't made for the Sabbath. The Sabbath was made for a man. 
He was saying, listen, your, your silly rules, get over your silly little, here's what you need to know. The Pharisees multiple times had a, had a beef with Jesus because Jesus would always, as he lived this earthly life, it was always through a, through a peephole or through a, a frame of reference of heaven. That there's, there's a far more real show coming, right? This is just the warm-up act. And so, listen, I'm living through a view of, of heaven. And they would come to him time and time again about him healing this person or him doing that about the Sabbath. And Jesus like, he knew what was on their mind. And so they're sitting there. This guy is lowered down through the roof. They're sitting there, and they're thinking to themselves, man, this is a big moment. This guy, he thinks he's God. He's blaspheming. Only God can forgive sin. Now watch what Jesus does. Jesus, um, Jesus addresses them. He knew in his spirit that this is what they were thinking in their hearts. And he said to them, why are you thinking these things? Which is easier, to say to this paralyzed man, your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up and take your mat and walk? Now, let me just stop for a minute. Jesus is talking to them. They haven't even asked a question. He's talking to them because he knows what's on their mind. And you know who he's talking to? He's talking to the PC police. He's talking to the politically correct police. You are doing something that you should not be doing right now, you know? The, I like to think of the Pharisees this way. They were like the forerunners of the AC, modern-day ACLU, you know? They were saying, oh, you can't do this, you can't do this and that. I mean, the ACLU, they don't, if, you, if you invite a group into your town that's going to play one Christian song, they'll get all bent out of shape, right? Even if you're not promoting a Christian message, they'll get all bent out of shape because, listen, they got, they're the PC police, right? You can't do this. It's not fair. It's not following the rules, whatever it is, Right? These guys, Jesus calls them out on the carpet. He won't let them play PC police with him because what's on the line here? It's, it's this guy's salvation and it's his healing. Watch what happens. He said, which one is easier, to tell this guy his sins are forgiven or to tell, tell him, get up and take your mat and walk? I like this. But I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. And so he said to the man, I tell you, get up, take your mat and go home. <laughs> the paralyzed man got up, took his mat, and walked out in few, full view of them all. This amazed everyone. Man, the PC police lost that day, didn't they? Right? This amazed everyone, and they praised God, saying, we have never seen anything like this. So, so here's the deal. Instead of them rejoicing though, that day as they saw this guy get his sins forgiven, they would all been out of shape in their heart, right? All mad. Instead of rejoicing that Jesus was bringing healing, their, their silly rules were keeping them. Why? Earth was their frame of reference. Not what's best happening in heaven. Not connecting heaven with earth. It was just about what was happening on earth. Guys, on your news channel, listen. On your news channel, on your TV, every day are stories like this. Where, where we hear stories about people who are only living with a frame of reference for this earth, and they have no under connection with the kingdom of heaven. I was talking with somebody about this week. Listen, a guy who walks into a school with a semi-automatic rifle, uh, a, a person who walks into a theater and, and, is, and is getting to the place where they're going to try to take other people's lives, here's what you need to know about that person. Maybe the, beyond all the mental health issues that, and other things that we can talk about, what you need to understand is they have already come to a place in their own soul where they, they think their life doesn't matter. All they can see, all their peephole says is this earth. They have no, no reference for kingdom of heaven, no reference for that, and they've determined their life doesn't matter. And by the way, guess what? If my life doesn't matter, your life doesn't matter. So I can go into a school and I can kill anybody because I don't matter and you don't matter either. And do you see how the frame of reference is all on planet earth? 
You see that? It's no understanding for the kingdom of God at all. What we need to come to grips with here is if America is ever going to come back to God, we got to stop playing the game of building the American kingdom and playing the game of, okay, it's only what happens on this earth that matters. we got to connect them with the prayer of Jesus. we got to say, you know what? If we're going to bring America back, we've got to follow a kingdom plan that, that speaks into our everyday existence. Maybe you've heard about this guy. I want to show you his video. Amen. Go ahead. I want to show you a video. This is, this is actually one of the most hottest things right now. Man, I've been praying for this guy. Uh, a video of a coach. Have you heard about the coach? They told him he can't pray at the ball game. Uh, maybe you have. Some people haven't. If you haven't heard his story, I want you to meet him, and then I'm going to tell you what he had to do because some PC police were all over him. And by the way, it wasn't the ACLU. It was his school district that was telling him what he could and couldn't do. So meet this guy real quickly, and I'll tell you a little bit more about the story. Stop writing. Talks with students may not include religious expression, including prayer, and that to do so would violate the law. I don't understand how this could be wrong. I'm not establishing religion. I'm not preachy with anybody. The district says students are welcome to pray. It just can't be at the direction of a school employee. It's that mutual respect. They know where I stand, but I've never asked them about theirs because... It has no bearing on what we do on the football field. Even so, many of the school's students and even their parents have come out to actively support the coach. We believe uh, he shouldn't lose his job for what he, uh, he practices at the end of the game. Kennedy says he never required his athletes to pray and he only meant to motivate them, something he's done in a strictly secular way since the district warned him. A conservative group called the Liberty Institute has now taken up Coach Kennedy's cause, threatening to sue the school district, saying the coach has every right to practice his faith. Private citizens on their own time have a right to practice their faith, and, and, and we think it's very important at Liberty Institute to protect that constitutional right. And so he now plans to pray with his players after tonight's game, whether the school allows it or not. From the very beginning that I've done, I go out to the 50, and I'm going to thank the Lord for the young men that participated in blessing me with this group of guys. For Good Morning America, Neil Karlinski, ABC News, Bremerton, Washington. You know, uh, this guy, if you don't know his story, I mean, this guy's been under intense pressure to lose his job, and it's become a national media spotlight. Back up just a little bit before this guy's story. This guy's being told he can't pray at the end of a football game. And, and by the way, he goes out, he, he bends a knee at the 50-yard line after the game is over, and if you've seen any of the video coverage, and I'm going to show you a picture of him in just a minute, uh, all the students come together that want to, and all the parents come together, and, and they meet out there in the middle of this field. It, it just reminds me of how if this guy's being criticized for being able to pray and, and, and have a time of prayer after a ball game, how far have we gotten and why have we gotten this far? You remember back in the 60s and 70s when Madeline Murray O'Hare was trying to get prayer out of our schools? And we were going, okay, what was that about? PC police, right? Right? American Civil Liberties Union. But what happens is so many times we stay quiet instead of taking a voice and saying, no, this is absolutely wrong. And, and, the, and they went out their way. And eventually, 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 the little deceitfulness of this thing removes a little bit more, a little bit more heaven and earth until heaven is no longer our frame of reference. Not this past Friday night, as in two days ago. But nine days ago, this came to a head for this guy. Nine days ago, the school district had told him, if you go on that field and you pray, you are going to lose your job. Now, I want you to think how real this is for a guy 
who knows he's got to play, got to coach a ball game, and then at the end of that game, that clock's going to count down to zero, and now his faith is going to be on the line for what he's going to do. Well, Friday night, two Friday nights ago, this is what happened. My opinion is that he should be allowed to go out there and pray on his own time after the game without inviting any kids to pray with him because it's his right as an American and he's not breaking any laws. It's really a non-issue to us. We're just here to support the kids and, and the teachers. Trouble to you, Ken. I came out of Bremerton and, you know, I ended up in this boys' home over in East Washington. And he was one of the counselors that was there. And by the grace of God, I got saved. And, I, you know, I fell away for so many years and I haven't seen him in 30 years. And heaven from out here to see him was <laughs> And those kids, I mean, I had no idea what that team was going to do. I, I, Sorry guys. And I've always taught my kids to do what is right and if you if you have a problem with it, you still follow the directions. But from there you could challenge it and to be bold and and have your courage to fight what you believe in. And I was not gonna include my kids because I would never jeopardize those young men that are out there because that's what this is about. And that just proves faith, that, you know, and solidifies all of my beliefs that, you know, I've been doing the right thing with the kids and that they come out here and they support me. And it's like, what do you do with that? Uh, you know, at school district, sorry that whatever happens, happens, you know, but I'm, I'm going to be bold in my faith and I'm going to fight the good fight. And I want to set that example for every one of the kids. If you believe in something, it doesn't matter if it's popular, if you think it's right follow the process and do what you have to do. Wow. I like his word. <laughs> I'm going to fight the good fight. What a good word from a guy who was willing to say, you know what, if they take my job, they take my job. I'm going to follow the conviction of my heart. And he walked down that 50-yard line, he bowed his knee, and, and you saw the picture of all those students that gathered around him, all those family members that gathered around him, even the opposing team staying back there. Let's go back to America for a minute. See, America, if, if, we, if we only have our culture, our society, if we're living as only our frame of reference is this little warm-up act, this little earthly existence we have right now, 
then what happens is we, we, we miss out on what Jesus was trying to say. It's so much bigger than that. You've got to understand there's a whole kingdom. That's the real kingdom. This is just, this is like the pre-show. The real kingdom is what you want to grab into. You see your outline there? Here's the PC thought that we, we've got to be so careful of, the politically correct thought. The PC thought says this, remove Jesus from the marketplace and remove him from the conversation. That's what they wanted to do with this coach, right? Because he's too controversial. Write that out. He's too controversial. So let's take Jesus out of the equation. Let's certainly take the Bible out of the equation. Let's take prayer out of the equation. Let's take that kingdom, heaven, whatever you call that thing. Let's take all that out of the equation and let's only, because that's, that's controversial. But get this picture. When you remove Jesus out of that marketplace, when you, listen, those of you who are working for corporate, we got people that work for Delta, SunTrust, we got lots of people who work for huge corporate entities where, I mean, you are challenged. You see it on your website. You see it on your intrawebs. You know, you see it when you come to work. We have so many that are teachers here in this place. And you're told how you can and how you can't practice your faith and what you can say and what you can't say. Listen, what I want to challenge you to think about, listen, is when you remove Jesus from the marketplace, when you remove Jesus from the conversation, when you remove Jesus from the very society that he came to redeem, you're removing the very thing that can bring the healing, the civilization that we really want. Uh, you're, you're, go to the next one, Tom. Instead of him being, you know, oh, he's controversial, so let's Jesus, leave Jesus out of it. No, when you put him back in it, now Jesus is the component that can actually lead us to a civilized society. You know, you want to talk about how Ferguson was ever going to get over their thing? Listen, it wasn't going to be by pop psychology or reading great books. It was going to be understanding that Jesus is the one who came to show us what it truly was like to forgive those who know not what they do. You know what I mean? Are you with me? I, I, was in, I wrote these words probably several days ago before they printed these outlines for you. And on the way to church this morning, you know, I'm thinking that last line there. If we allow Jesus to be removed from the conversation, we're removing the very thing that contributes to a civilized society. And I just, in my mind, I'm not saying this is the Holy Spirit. In my mind, I started thinking, those words may not be the best closing words of that. Maybe a better word would be, we're removing the very thing that contributes to a redeemed society. Guys, America cannot be a redeemed society if we allow Jesus to continue being pulled out and pulled out. I listened, I was, I was, in my preparation for even this sermon series, I've been, I've been studying presidents of the United States and how some of them led with their faith. And I, and I watched just a little while ago Roosevelt, at, 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 right, after, you know, right after Pearl Harbor, I watched Roosevelt pray over America. And can I just tell you, as a person who is from the, I, I guess I'm actually a generation X. I'm not even, I'm not, even I'm, not a, I'm not a boomer, I'm a generation Xer. I could hardly remember a moment that our president has prayed over our country. I just thought to myself, sitting there at my own computer, I just thought to myself, oh God, would you give us a president that would pray over our country? I had a person in, in, in my office the other day who is, is going through a sickness in their life, and they were talking about, they had to have a surgical procedure, and the doctor walked in, I don't know this doctor's name. The doctor walked in right before they went out to make the surgery, and the doctor said, I want to pray for you before we go. And the doctor prayed over his patient. And the person sitting in my office who's a member of our church said, I was blown away by that. I just thought, wow. And I'm sitting there on the other side of my desk, and I'm thinking, I'm blown away by that too. Wow. 
How ridiculous is it that we are blown away by a doctor coming in to pray for healing when he knows he he doesn't have healing in his hand. He can put the pieces back together, but God is the one who brings healing, right? Oh, my goodness, guys, if doctors and nurses and if lawyers and teachers and if preachers, if we would really begin to say, you know what? We have got to quit living as a country with this earth as the frame of reference, all that we're doing right now. And if we could get the Matthew 6 thing that Jesus was trying to teach us when he was saying, listen, there is a kingdom. And if we could just, when we pray, if we could call that kingdom to start working in this kingdom. And if this kingdom could be impacted by that kingdom, that's how change happens. And I wasn't there the day he taught his disciples that, and I don't even know that they got it. But I know this, they remembered those words and they put them in print for us. And today when I call you forward to be praying for our nation, I'm going to put those words up there. I'm going to put those words up there about honoring our Father. And I'm going to ask you to pray for our country to go back to our Father, because that's what we need. When I put those words up there about, uh, about us calling the kingdom of heaven and his kingdom be done on earth and in our country, we're going to pray that over our country today. And we're going to pray for God's provision to be over our country, not our provision. And we're going to pray for, for God's forgiveness to start penetrating through this, this culture that we have. Because let me tell you, the American culture needs to go back to one-on-one, uh, 101 about, uh, about forgiveness. And then finally, we have got to say, God, we... We, have, we ask you, O oh Lord, remove from us the temptations. Remove from us, because the evil one, he's eating our lunch. By all the, the temptations we have in our media and in our, in our entertainment industry and all that junk is just feeding. It's going into the lives of our children. Oh God, lead us away from this mess. Lead us away from this mess and deliver us from the evil one. Every Sunday I've been asking you a question. You know what that question is, don't you? Is there hope for America? You already know the answer, don't you? What's the answer? Yes. There's hope for America. And you know what? Here's what I know. We know there's hope. But more than the fact that we know there's hope, we know hope. Hope has a name. We know him. And we know then the same way he came into his own culture filled with PC police and he redeemed that culture, he's still in the business of doing it today. And glory be to God, I'm praying that he's going to do it for our nation, for our culture, for my grandkids and my great-grandkids' culture. Church, are you ready to pray for that? Hey, we're just going to play some music in the background. And like I've done the last couple of weeks, I'm going to be quiet for a few minutes. We're gonna, Tom, can you go ahead and put those words up there for us? Because these are kind of our guide for how we're going to pray today. And I'm just going to give you time to kind of start praying through those things, through the lens of America. And we're going to pray, pray the kingdom of heaven come into contact with our culture and our, and our, and our society, okay? And, and you just take some time to pray through that. And then finally, I'll, I'll kind of come in and I'll kind of lead us together in prayer. Come on, if you will. Let's bow bended knee before God and let's pray to God about seeing heaven impact this culture that we live in today. Don't shy away from reading the screen. as That, that helps you pray. You just go up there and you keep praying this prayer because this is the prayer of Jesus. 
Father, we come before you today feeling like it's so desperately needful that you would come and touch our country. It's so desperately needful that you would, that you would start operating in the, in the lives of our, our political leaders and our societal leaders, God. It's so desperately needed that you would come and let the church begin to have a stronger voice and, and give us as Christ followers a stronger voice in our companies and where we work and play. And Lord, I pray, I pray for us. I pray that you would give us a, a heart of compassion for the culture we live in. And I pray, God, that you would give us a, a clarion call and a spirit of prayer. Lord, I, I am convicted myself that it is so easy to run off in my day and pray for the things that, that I will face or things that are going on in my little world and not really, Lord, bring the bigger picture to you and say, God, I am a, I'm a member of a culture. I'm, I'm, a, I, I'm a citizen of, of this small country. Lord, I need to hold it before you because, Lord, I need your, my citizenship of heaven to speak over this. Lord, I pray you'd give us a spirit of, of humility and help us to be on our knees in prayer for our country. And Lord, I pray for a spirit of boldness to fill every person that's here. I pray, Lord, you give us boldness just like we saw in this young man, this young coach who said, you know what? I'm going to stand by my convictions. I'm going to follow the rules, but I'm going to, I'm going to live out my faith and I'm going to fight the good fight. And God, I pray you'd let that same boldness we saw in that young man, which is just the Holy Spirit on his life, would you let your Holy Spirit fall over us and give us boldness? If it costs us, it costs us. Lord, I pray that you would give us boldness Boldness for the older person, boldness for the person who's middle-aged, boldness for the teenager that's in this room today who has the voice to speak on their campus or their high school or their university. Lord, you have called us to be the light, to shine like stars in the midst of a wicked and perverse generation. Oh, fill us, God. Fill us with your Holy Spirit and help us to be bold in our faith and bold in our words. And Lord, if we're, if we're called hypocrites or if we're called bigots or we're... Well, there's a lot of names that can be slung around God. You were called far worse. You were called far worse. Lord, I remember you're what you said. You said, blessed are those who were persecuted. Blessed. Lord, give us boldness. Give us boldness because, Lord, what, what's happening right now is, is, is serious and it's important and we are in desperate need of the kingdom of heaven. Lord, I thank you that during these next few weeks, we got a chance to study some stuff, maybe even to think about some things that might even impact how we talk to our neighbor or talk to our boss or talk to our employees, but it also could impact the next person we elect and put in office. So be with us, God, counseling us. Even while we drive down the road, help us be thinking about these things, God. We believe that you are at work. We know it. You're never just doing one thing. You're doing a bunch of things. Oh, God, help us to join you where you are and help us to be people at your disposal like pawns ready to be sent out, ready to be used, ready to be sent in service. Soldiers ready to be sent at your will, God. And I pray your boldness would be all over us. Bring your kingdom, Lord. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on this country of ours. That's my prayer. And I pray this in the strong and mighty Son of God, the redeeming one who can redeem us. Jesus, amen.